Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, a roundtable discussion that's a mix of friendship, humor, unbridled enthusiasm, and tabletop RPG topics sent in from around the world. Just for Hello, and welcome to Season 32, Episode 12 of the Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Kimmy. I'm Jason. Kai. I'm Pooja. Yay! Welcome to the advice show for the first time, Kai. Oh, it's so exciting. In today's episode, Sean asks about living with mediocre gaming experiences. Steffi from Scotland <laughs> talks about game prep and consistency. And Ellie shares her JackerCon success story. If you'd like to contribute a question or story to the show, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. You were very gracious last week and sent in emails. <gasps> More people should be as gracious and also send in emails. So please do the thing. Announcements. All right, we have updated our Patreon. So we are changing to a monthly subscription model instead of a per creation model. Now, I'm going to tell a little bit of a story. We are very old. When we joined (laughs) Patreon, Patreon was a new thing. And it only lets you do per creation like charging like you you had to like every time you released a thing you could charge for it then they got fancy and they have this monthly subscription thing now and we can't have it because our account is too old so we've sort of jury-rigged the system so once a month we will post a creation that you will get charged for so it's sort of yeah slapdash a little bit duct taped together but it works it's fine and it keeps our five percent grandfathered in rate So instead of having to give Patreon 8% or 10% of our money, we are still at five, which is amazing. And we don't want to lose that, which is why we're doing this. Basically, they were like, well, if you want to switch to an actual monthly subscription, you have to make a new account. (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) No, no, I'm not doing that. So if you're a Patreon, please go log in and update yourself to right now. You're giving us $1 a month. If you haven't changed anything, please, at least if you want, you can stay at $1 a month if you want. But if you'd like to give us the same amount you were previously, which was like once a week for a whole month, which is like four, you can go to our D4 tier and give us $4 a month. Yeah. And there's other tiers too with like bigger prizes and stuff. So now announcer voice. We also have a bunch of new tiers that offer a number of perks. Access to our long lost advice show backlog all the way back to episode one. Opportunities to game with Happy Jack's hosts. A new Patreon-only show where we nerd about on geeky topics. Actual play play campaign debriefs. The first one was for the Unsung Tales. I uh, thought that said briefs, and I need to retract the package that I sent you. (laughs) It's not not debriefing. It's a debrief. I have made a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, actually, we just posted for the Patreons our our Unsung Tales debrief. It was so fun. It was so so good. The fellowship back together again. So remember, we never accept sponsorship or ad money. So we are completely sustained by our Patreons. So if you love... Okay. Yeah. (laughs) You holding up your Coke is not the same. Uh, I would love to have an Angry Orchard sponsorship. Oh my God, yes. I I feel like that doesn't... Yeah. After this many years, I feel like they should be giving us money. Yeah. And that doesn't conflict with our like honesty about TTRPGs. So that sort of sponsorship, I would 100% take. 
So a, that's a non-conflict. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, whatever. Hey, but, Orchard, wink. Yeah. <laughs> Friends of the show. Any alcohol companies, it's fine if you want to sponsor us. But we just don't take money, ad money, or sponsorships from like gaming groups or things. So anyway, if you'd like to help us keep the lights on and our mini fridge full, please go to happyjacks.org slash Patreon and check out the cool stuff there. And it is still technically July for another 40 hours. Yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Or the 31 this month? Yeah, yeah. I definitely knew that. That was just a funny <laughs> question that I was asking. So, On the way here, I definitely did the knuckle thing. Yeah. Yeah, I should have. No, August <laughs> is tomorrow. No. <laughs> no it's not. <laughs> so, it's not. I have a funny story. Can I tell a story or is it a bit? Uh, wait, so we're done. Okay. okay, so it's still July, technically. So our Indie Designer of the Month is still Allison, a.k.a. Draz. She can be found at drazillion.itch.io. That's D-R-A-Z-I-L-L-I-O-N.itch.io. And the focus game we're going to be talking about this week is A Space I Don't Know. And that is a solo TTRPG about being asexual or part of the asexual spectrum in an unfamiliar space where even the support of other queer people is not guaranteed. More broadly, it is about figuring out who is safe to out yourself to, and the found family that may be gained from doing so. All you need to play is a tarot deck and some sort of journaling or method of recording things, and you can find that awesome game for $5 on her itch.io page, which again is drazillion.itch.io. Love a journaling game. Yeah. I've been excited too. A lot of people in the, the Discord have been picking up some of the indie games we've been talking about, and they've been like trying them out. It's been fun to see. I've been on a journaling game kick, so I might have to pick that one up. Yeah, super, super good. All right. Been on an ace spectrum kick, so <laughs> probably going to pick that one up. <laughs> I figured that was a good one for tonight. Yeah, I was like, yeah, that seems. All right. I've talked a whole lot, so someone else has to start with mailbag number one. Can I read this one? Because the, the header for it sounds like, are you living with mediocre gaming experiences? <laughs> Wait, you were going to say... Oh, yeah, it was your story. Oh, I used to joke, forget. So actually, my, my anniversary is today. Oh. We celebrated already. But like, I used to joke that it was the 31st, pretending like I didn't know what the day was. And then that joke doubled back on me. And suddenly I thought the 31st was a made up day. And that's why the joke was funny. <laughs> like, it couldn't be the 31st. There is no 31st. <laughs> Oops. Oh, okay. And I like brainwashed myself in a Oops. very unhelpful way. Yeah. Also, if you like fun, fake drug ads, you should listen to the read that Kimmy did on our <laughs> episode earlier today of the Rise Core services that yeah. are available. That's pretty, I was pretty impressed. Like I did like the cheesy, like, are your superpowers not good enough? Blah, blah, blah. Like, I'll talk. But then I even did like the little thing at the end. It's like, these have not been presented. Like, those yeah. fast <laughs> Was, I loved I it. I have to go listen to that. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> I forgot to tell you, in chat, somebody was like, why does this sound like a Cialis commercial? <laughs> because I asked her to do a Cialis commercial. You nailed, nailed it. it. <laughs> You're hired. Yeah, it took me like eight takes for the fast yeah. talking, though. That was uh, that yeah, stuff's hard. Yeah, yeah, it. It's a superhero dick pill commercial. <laughs> okay, is it okay if I read this one? Yeah, do it. Greetings, happy jackers. It's often said that no RPGing is better than bad RPGing. I agree. But what about mediocre RPGing? The GM and players giving feedback to improve their gaming is good and part of creating a fun and safe environment. But what if there's nothing that can be done to lift an experience up from fine to great? Some systems aren't the favorite of some people. Some campaigns aren't the favorite of one friend. 
but assume <laughs> you love gaming with these friends, but either don't care for a particular system or don't love the game that the other players want to play. And this is discovered well after session zero. Oop. Do you bow out? How hard do you try to influence the game into something you like more? Do you just have an awkward adult conversation even 10 sessions into a game? Do you just hope that the game doesn't go more than 20 sessions so that hopefully you move on to something you like more? I'm going to avoid a specific story for brevity, but I have a couple more specific questions that I promise are related. One, I'm always skeptical that the system is the problem, but assuming that the system, that the problem is the system. <laughs> oh, okay. I see what you did there. Yeah, that's good. At what point into test driving a system should you abandon ship? Three sessions or less feels too early. By contrast, seven sessions of people not feeling it is probably too many. I've GM'd more than I've played. Despite my first questions, I think my standards for what to expect when playing in a game, not as the GM, are low. I'm just happy to be playing. Until I've gone too long without GMing, the cycle of the forever GM. Relatable. <laughs> yeah. How do you deal with feeling a little bit of hurt if your players don't have the same easygoing mindset? Other than run a better game. Oh, rough. Woof. <laughs> oh, that hurt my heart. Yep. Oh, do better. Next email. Good note. <laughs> because that's always my goal. Yeah. Same. I put in a lot of time and effort, but time and energy have limits. Yes. Lately, I've felt a bit inadequate and like more is expected of me than I'm capable of. Oh. Thanks for any advice and keep on jacking, Sean. P.S. Ignore if not applicable. Bonus question. Only if anyone on the show tonight happens to have Blades in the Dark, Fortune <laughs> in the Dark experience. I do. Do you feel that the mechanics of Fortune in the Dark games get in the way of role-playing more than, say, the mechanics of D&D? Compare and contrast to direct PBTA games. I'm really trying hard not to say screw it and go back to 5e. Oh, okay. Did, right. did you bold these or did the no, author? No, the, the author did. These thank you, Sean. Fucking great yeah. for this dyslexic. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you. Let's do like the main part of the email and then we can go on to the PS. Yeah. So. How far is too far? I, okay, so when we were doing, we've done a couple like beta campaigns of like systems that were in beta. When we were doing the L5R beta that Fantasy Flight released, that didn't go well. Fantasy flight games. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, did I, you have the special dice? Yeah. I assume it required. Absolutely. Uh, I actually. Hurt me. <laughs> okay, I, I actually loved the dice in that particular game, but it was just, and part of it, I think, was that it was in beta, so it was like we printed out the giant thing because it's a giant tome. It's as, massive. It, as it is expected to be. Yeah. Yes. But then they kept doing like updates to it. So we'd have to print them out and like slide it in or like. Brutal. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of our our awful experience with that was because we played so much of like the previous edition mm -hmm. and just knew it so well. And then switching to this whole new system that then was like changing weekly and they'd find things that didn't make sense and we would find things that didn't make sense and then couldn't find a thing that made it make sense. Yeah. So I don't know, but we did, we stretched it and did five episodes of that before like, okay, and cutting this off and switching in a new and story. Did you all receive the medal already? <laughs> yeah. I assume they were sent. I feel like we, we It was have. each of a different die type. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, my thing, because I, I've, test-driven, I've been a playtester, I've done all kinds of stuff. I think my big problem with trying a game for anything longer than one session, I have a very short attention span, 
when it comes to like, especially if I'm running it, if it is a system I've never played, I don't really know how it's going to like work out. If I'm not enjoying at least the potential of the game system, I'm out after the first session. I'm like, okay, let's try a new session or let's try a new game system. Let's whatever. Or if it's people I really like to play with, which it sounds like, Sean, you do like to play with these people and they seem to like whatever game system you are playing. Mm -hmm. That might be Blades in the Dark. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Unlikely. Um, I can't imagine where you would get that idea. Mm -hmm. Like, my thinking is always like, if you're having fun, is it really mediocre? Yeah. Like, if you're having a good time and you guys can stumble through the mechanics, is it really mediocre? Because I've also played... I did a long campaign doing the still unfinished Magpie Urban Shadows uh, second mm-hmm. edition. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and it was on the like kit that's the only thing that's still out there. I yeah. did a whole actual play of it and I found huge holes constantly, yeah. as I'm sure you did as yeah. well. Yeah. But I was having but a flawless f- system otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> I was having fun, which is really like at the end of the day, the game master had run the previous iteration and was familiar enough to limp us through it. Mm-hmm. And where we didn't have the answer, we were like, eh. Whatever. Yeah. Our game master made it fun. Yeah. And that's kind of all that mattered. I think that's actually where PBTA does well is when there's a gap, it's easy to fill in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At least in my experience. Whereas like I've played a lot of IV. I know I actually do know most of the rules. Look, settle down. But I don't like a lot of them. Mm. <laughs> and it's hard to work around the rules you don't like. Because they are fully They're entrenched. in everything. Yeah. yeah. And so if you want to mod something. You pull a thread here, and then the whole shelf falls down. Yeah. Like, I make so. very big rules about what I can change in 5e for that very reason. <laughs> yeah. I think, like, yeah. I super agree. Like, if you're having fun with the people at the table, it sounds better than mediocre. And, and if everybody else enjoys the system and you don't, like, how much are you really not enjoying that system? Is the system killing your desire to play? with these people that you normally enjoy playing with, in which case, like, yeah, muster up and have the adult conversation, which, mm-hmm. it hurts me to say that. <laughs> I'm not That's that like an sure. adult-adjacent conversation. Yeah. Yeah. But also, like, maybe focus on the things that you're actually really enjoying about the campaign. Mm-hmm. Like, are you enjoying your interactions with your other players? Are you enjoying, like, the story that you're all telling together? And you find that, like, maybe a couple of things are frustrating. And that's a time... To be like, hey, this one thing is killing me. Can we just not with this one thing? To me, playing with a group of your friends means that, especially when you're in a home game, you can just be like, look, y'all, let me level with you for a second. Yeah. It's the y'all of it all. Yeah. 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 Louisiana, what can I say? Uh, I feel you. Yeah. But, but the, it's just like, yeah, like, these are your friends. Yeah. Treat them like your friends. Well, and also, like, for me, if I were the game master of a game that someone wasn't having that much fun, my whole, like, job is, how do I make this fun for everybody? Mm-hmm. If you're not having a great time, how do I amend what we are doing without ruining everyone else's fun? Yeah. And so it's also, like, it's not really, for me, it's not really an adult conversation. It's a, like, uh, let me help you. How can I help you have yeah. more fun in this situation? That, that is an adult conversation. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's well, a very grown-up thing to do. Oh, that got the term for that was was added to the podcast because a lot of times people have conversations that are not adult conversations when they're upset about games, mm-hmm. and we've gotten quite a number of horror stories of like shouting matches or oh, like absolutely not passive aggressive bullshit and stuff like that. It's like okay, so we started doing the adult conversation. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also, Your Honor, may I redress since I have been attacked? 
No, not yet. <laughs> okay. So I do also want... <laughs> Someone in chat said something that has Jason upset. Inflammatory. <laughs> but I do want to also suggest that you find a way for people to be super honest, which is a lot of times mm-hmm. anonymous. <laughs> so if you do mm-hmm. like a Google form or something like that where people don't have to sign in, you might find out that other people are not enjoying the system either. Like if everybody's enjoying being there because they're friends, but not enjoying the system, but they're all just kind of like grinning and bearing it because they are having fun together, you might find that out really easily. Like, hey, how are you? Are you do like a roses and thorns or a stars and wishes type thing, which are like safety tools and and like ways of getting feedback in a Google Doc or a Google form where people can fill it out and you just get the data on the back end and you can be like, hey, of the six of us, Two people said they really love the system. Four people said they hate it, but I just like being here every Thursday, you know, or yeah. whatever it is. Then you can be like, okay, let's fix this without having like the, because yes, adult conversations are very important, but sometimes people don't want to hurt their friends' feelings. A Google, <laughs> anonymous Google form, my beloved. Yeah. Absolutely one of the greatest tools for a mm-hmm. GM in the history of time. I, mm-hmm. I will add, I'm not saying don't do the anonymous Google form. The one situation I have found myself in regarding that was, I got a piece of feedback and I was like, I don't know who put this, but this is really sp- like, I only need to fix this for one person. Mm. Like, I don't need to change the whole game. And if I knew who put this, mm-hmm. I could fix it for them yeah, and not upset the whole game. But I couldn't do that because I didn't know who did the thing. Right. Or like, I don't know. That's just a weird caveat of like, think about the phrasing of your question. And like, yes, is mm-hmm. it something that will apply to everyone because, or leave it open for yeah. someone to be able to be circled back to if it is something that someone wants follow-up on. Yeah. That's more than just like, hey, this thing isn't working. Yeah, or, hey, throw your name in the comment if you want me to get back to you about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like There have been times where, like on a on a lines and veils, right? Somebody has marked something as a line. And I've put it in our chat, like, hey, if you're comfortable, I would love to know like what aspect of this is mm-hmm. lined. Or yeah, I just want to understand, if you don't want Blood. to get into it, I will just... I will follow that line to yeah. the letter, but I would love a little follow-up if it's okay to have that conversation. But again, I don't know who checked it. So like, that's fine, but it's okay yeah. to follow up with stuff like that too. Yeah, and ask about it. And it would be like, hey, you don't have to. But... Yeah, don't say, who put this? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, hey, I noticed somebody said that they hate this particular thing that we're doing. Happy to talk about that if you want to. No pressure. Yeah. So just as a group announcements. Sort of like when things go missing in my classroom. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to... I don't want you to rat each other out. But if it gets back on my desk, by the end of the day, we're not going to have any other problems. Yeah. I'm trying to help all yeah. of us. <laughs> all of us. Mm-hmm. Don't do it like that. That's it's very... Like, I get you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it's second graders, that's okay. Yeah. That's different. That's different. Then you can speak to them like children because they, they are. are children. Mm-hmm. In yeah, fact. they are indeed. Yeah, I think it, just trying to subtly influence the game is not going to like serve no. you well, Sean. No, it's no, going to come off as don't. passive aggressive. It's going to come off as you being controlling, especially if you're a forever GM. Yeah, because people will clock it and they're going to be like, "Why are you trying to GM this game?" Yeah, I have one tried and true way that I probably shouldn't say that Uh-oh. you can subtly tank a game. And not get any flack for it. Do it. Play a wild magic sorcerer. (laughs) You mean my favorite class in Dungeons and Dragons? Picking fights today. (laughs) I know it's bad. I just like it. Suggest that the game schedule go to every other week. Oh, 
okay, you hurt me back, that's fine. Because then when you have to miss one session, it's a month between sessions. And then it's maybe two months. And then you could go, hey gang, are we losing it? Do we run out of gas on this? Do we want to try something else? That's not passive aggressive, that's aggressive. Yeah, I think I said that. You say that like, most of my games at Happy Jacks weren't every two weeks on Sundays. Well, that's, or that's organized every play. Three months. That's organized play. No, it's still the same thing happens. <laughs> Except for me being like, it's this Sunday. Everybody, it's this Sunday. This Sunday. <laughs> I gel well with weekly play. Yeah. Not everyone has a schedule to do that. I don't have kids. Like, that's a hard thing to do. But I'm an adult with no kids and I can do what I want. <laughs> so that's easier for me. That's my privilege. But it can... I'm... Partly tongue-in-cheek, but like a scheduling thing can help it run out of gas or show you everyone is super fired up to do this and there's a reason to keep trying. Mm -hmm. That can go either way. Yeah. Another thing I would suggest if you're trying a new system with your group, have a set number of sessions. Oh, yes. Where then you either opt in or opt out by, again, anonymous vote. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, To continue or not. Well, and also, like, I did that with my campaign that's been running for so long now, my home game. And it's like, I did one adventure. And I was like, at the end of this adventure, whoever wants to stay can stay. If anyone wants to leave, you can leave. And we're happy to either end the game or keep going. And just leave it open. Let them decide as a table what they want to do. And I was just like, I will do either. Yeah. You guys figure out what you want. Yeah, yeah. put a sunset on it. And then everyone has a an ejection seat so yeah. that they can... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's over in four sessions. Okay, that's fine. I'm going to, you know. And anything that's going to run longer than like 20 sessions, have an out for anybody at any time. Just be like, yeah. let me know when you want to be done. Yeah. And we did that for Unsung Tales because yeah. it ended up going 25 sessions, which is so long for an AP. It's like the longest AP in a while. But we did kind of just keep checking in and like, I'm not going to mention when things happen because I don't want to be spoilers. But like when things switched up a couple of times, it was like, okay, check in. Do we want to keep going? Do we want it? How many? When does everyone have a heart out? Okay. So that, that works really well. And it takes the pressure off people to be like the one who's ruining everyone else's fun. Yeah. Yeah. And making it so that, especially in something that is long, for there to be a way to rotate out without it ending the game for everybody else, I mm-hmm. think also takes the pressure off. Because I've had players be like, I don't really want to leave because I don't want the game to end. It's like, well, it doesn't have to end. And I'll still give you a finale. It'll yeah. be okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Should we address the Blades in the Dark question? Yeah, I do oh. want to oh, do the final thing, though. How do you deal with feeling a little bit hurt if your players don't have the same easygoing mm. mindsets? Well, I feel hurt. Yeah. That's what happens. I mean, sometimes, I guess, like, I have been in this position. <laughs> and Was it me? Of course it was. <laughs> You're the Sorry. most demanding player Sorry. I've ever had in my life. <laughs> But, and like, it's okay to work through your feelings. Like, I would recommend not working through your feelings with your players. That's a a sure recipe for disaster. But like, really try to take a step back from that hurt once you've like had some time to process and say, okay, how much merit does this particular like isolated comment have? Or is this like a part of a trend Mm -hmm. of one person like constantly harping on you about stuff Mm. and maybe at that point it's time to have a like a heart-to-heart have another adult conversation about what you're able to give to this game versus what they're expecting of you yeah because for expectations to be like it's the most fun when we all have the same expectations about what we're getting going into it 
Is it that someone feels like their story has been neglected and they really want some more plot hooks? Or is it that they're like having a bad time in their life Mm -hmm. and they're taking it out on you, Uh, which sucks, but happens. Happens, yeah. But like, it's that kind of stuff where once again, like, I'm hoping you're playing with your friends and that y'all can move through it. But also on the flip side of that, like, don't be that hard on yourself. Mm -hmm. It's life happens. Your time and energy are valuable. And what you're putting into this game is valuable. Yeah. And whether that meets somebody's expectations or not is something that you can deal with, but don't feel that you're, you need to like be doing better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah, maybe there are a couple of things that you can change or improve, but overall, like, especially as a forever GM, have that trust and faith in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I think some of it for me is also like, cause I'm the opposite. I am the, I don't know if it's apparent in anything that I do ever, but I'm a really like over the top, very extra game master. Um, (laughs) And like, I've had my players straight up tell me that they're intimidated by the amount of lore and all the information. I'm like, I will give you every tool possible. But like at the end of the day, that is still like meeting my players where they are at because they are more easygoing than me. Mm -hmm. And something that's been really helpful to me, especially when I'm running games with other groups of friends or even on stream or something like that is setting table expectations from the get go especially if you're a forever GM, my big thing that I would advocate for your happiness as a more relaxed GM is to have those zero session conversations saying like, this is a game that I care about. I don't want you to ever think that I don't, but this is the amount of work I'm going to put into this game every week. Yeah. And I'm never going to do more than that. Or if I do, it's because I got really excited and Mm -hmm. that is the end of it because you are also there to have fun. It is not your job to run this game. And if it is your job to run the game, still have those conversations. Mm-hmm. Say, this is my job and these are the limits. These are the hours that I work on this and be done. Like, give yourself grace to say, like, this is what I can do for this game and tell your players up front what to expect because I think even if they're just your friends that you've been gaming with for years, like, it's so healthy to have that conversation even if you've never had it before and suddenly you're starting a new game to say, like, well, <laughs> for this game, like, I literally just did this super recently and I said, I'm going to do a low prep game. Mm-hmm. Me the biggest control freak of a game master (laughs) most people have ever met. I'm going to do a low prep game. I am almost never going to write past this session. Mm -hmm. I have an idea of an arc and that is it. And I was very clear up front and it has given the table the like most specific expectation of that game. Mm -hmm. So zero session conversations are always super important. And even just having an update conversation, we're going to have a re-zero session. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So helpful. So good. Yeah. Yeah. I really think this is like to bookend, like session zero is super important, but having a like formulated way of giving feedback at the end of each session, whether you use stars and wishes, if you want to Google what that is, or roses and thorns, like I think that is actually the most helpful thing for a GM ever because it tells you where your players want to go with the story. It tells you what they're enjoying and it tells you what they're not enjoying so much. So that can save a ton of hurt later if someone's feeling like, like they're left out. If you hear their star and their wishes are, I really wish we'd get back to this thing in my backstory that we yeah. kind of touched yeah. on. Then you know exactly where to go with next time. And they don't feel called out because you don't have to call them out because this is just something that becomes normalized. Everybody kind of talks about what they want in the next future sessions. And then it takes the need for, well, it doesn't take the whole need, but like it pulls away the, the necessity of having quite so many adult conversations because you've just got this like way of just at the end of every session, I hey, I really love this part. I wish we'd do more of this. Yeah. And then In- you go. Inviting that feedback can defuse bad feelings ahead of time. Yeah. yeah. And it tells them, I'm inviting you to tell me what you want from this game. Yeah. 
And then if they don't, maybe they don't want anything different. Or they also have to accept within themselves, like, well, I haven't voiced what I want. Uh, that's on me. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, if they're a grown up, they're going to think like that. So not that that like oh, to to indemnify you from responsibility. It's not like that. But just like you're inviting them to take part in the conversation because maybe they feel like, oh, I don't want to tell the DM mm-hmm. what I think should happen in the story. I'm not the DM. I can't be the boss of that. Like, no, I mean, I, I want to shape the story around your characters. Our story. Yes. <laughs> this is mm-hmm. a story about your characters. Story not You're not like story. on a... <laughs> Not in a roller coaster riding through the ride that I built for you. So inviting that level of feedback can be really productive. Yeah. Well, I just love stars and wishes in general as like a yeah. as a process because it also makes the players feel good about what they've done at the table. Yeah. As a GM, I also crave the players' stars that they give to each other. Yeah. I'm like yeah. this is also something that I've participated. In. This is a story and a moment of joy for the other people. So it's like it's framed around something very nice, and you do also get excellent feedback that way. Yeah. And it saves you so much time as a GM. If you know like what they want to do and where they're interested in, you don't spend a bunch of time planning and creating A when all they want is B. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, you all want B. Great. I'm going to focus my very limited amount of GM prep time on yeah. making the meal you want to eat instead of the meal you don't want to eat. So that's always really helpful. Yep. I found out my characters on Sunday just want hot NPCs. You're so doing that's a great all job. I do. I just serve them up. You weren't already doing that? Well, there were some, and then they were like, can we just have more of that? I'm like, yeah, okay. That's the general feedback I got. Twice as much. (laughs) (laughs) Double the hot NPC. Excellent. Well, I didn't even think about those in the multiverse. Oh, yeah. It's like every time you create a new sexy NPC, it's like reflected through the whole multiverse. Mild spoilers for Pinnacles. It's a multiverse. (laughs) (laughs) I still feel kind of bad. I'm sorry. My no, it was hilarious. Not to blurt out the it was answer. Great. Like, what was the one you did last week that was so good? It was the ba- like the bad guy was. Oh, oh, oh we came across this, this is bad great. guy. It was like, oh yes. Oh, this son. other yeah. mysterious bad guy who must be his son that he abandoned with his mother. And then recently has picked up and is brought into the fold. And like, maybe I laid out the entire story of this dude within 30 seconds. Of uh, yeah, it was great, though. I mean, some of that I hadn't known. I'm like, oh, the abandoned mom. And like, yeah, OK, okay. that's in too. Like our yep. story. <laughs> um, but it was like I mentioned, I kind of with a wink. I was like, yeah, the, the and this other bad guy is this bad guy's new partner. And he's like 20 years younger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's his son. Yeah. Amazing. I was like, was but good. he's left his younger, more emotionally fragile sister at home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll meet her later. Amazing. Thanks to you. <laughs> All right. Now let's talk Forged in the Dark. Yep. <laughs> All right. Pooja. Everybody's looking at each other. Well, I I don't know if I could really say I ran even a Forged in the Dark system at this point, mm-hmm. but I do not feel like the XCOM game was short on roleplay. Oh, no, we had great roleplay, but not because of Forged in the Dark. But I also don't think that the Forged in the Dark mechanics got in the way of it. Mm-hmm. No, but it also didn't facilitate it. It didn't facilitate it, but I guess I feel like less, I feel more ambivalent about mechanics facilitating roleplay than I do about players investing in roleplay. Yeah. Because when it comes down to it, not everything has to be mechanically supported to exist. Yeah. Do you. 
And so I feel like, although I did throw out half the rules of that system in order to run that campaign in a way that was successful. Mm -hmm. It was Um, a great time. I had a great time. Like, I have had the feedback from my players that they had a great time. And it was a great story that we told. And in the end, I feel like there was so, there were so many great character moments and roleplay moments Mm -hmm. and the stuff going on, like, with the factions in the city and all this other stuff that, like, no, Fortune in the Dark wasn't making that happen. But it didn't stand in the way of that happening either. Yeah. I agree with that. I feel like Blades in the Dark did like heist kind of like that setting so perfectly. I do like games that support the role playing a little bit more. That's one of the things I I'm drawn to PBTA games that are like that too. That's why I like masks and stuff mm-hmm. a lot more than like Dungeon World because there's so much of that t- like tied in where you have to act out to clear a condition. And so it like really like it just like carry it, do role play for me, people. Come on, role play for me. And I and while Blades in the Dark doesn't, at least in my experience playing it, doesn't have that. I felt I loved some of the mechanics for like the the heist and some of the world building stuff. I have not been as impressed by some of the forged in the dark like copies. I feel like they pulled the the Blades in the Dark system and like didn't quite adapt it enough for those other purposes. So I feel like, I mean, it's the same thing that happened with Powered by the Apocalypse games. Like, there's a couple that just, like, lean in and, like, shine. Mm -hmm. And then there's ones who do things to be different just to be different, and it doesn't quite fit, or it gets too complicated. Or So I feel like there's a couple Forged in the Dark games that really sing, and there's a whole bunch out there that are fine, (laughs) that are just fine and a little overcomplicated, and I feel like people sometimes skip some of the rules to make it better. Yeah, I I think Clara's word on this is (laughs) definitive. Yeah. In that Blades in the Dark is a hat on a hat. Yeah. Um, (laughs) The amount of like extra bookkeeping to like determine the factions in the city and the gangs and the like all those things and the clocks that have to be ticking at certain rates felt like it was mechanizing something that a GM would kind of just like think about and do mm-hmm. when it was important to do and not necessarily have all this homework in between sessions. But I agree with her take on that, but I know there are a lot of other takes. So I found some of the helpful. So there's a discussion going on in the chat right now. I definitely <laughs> don't feel overly perceived at all. Definitely not. But I, my first campaign that I GM'd ever was on Jason's Twitch channel. Ooh. It was an XCOM setting. And we used band blades. I took all of the faction stuff offline right off the bat. Because I knew, honestly, I knew from our Urban Shadows campaigns that it was going to make yeah. a really, really terrible, messy, like, it's not, it's not a great performance material, that's um, for sure. So, but what I did find as a newbie GM was that it gave me rails for how to structure story beats mm-hmm. and and sometimes encounters and things like that for my players. Mm-hmm. So in a way it was it was like almost like having a recipe for an encounter or a recipe for a session that mm-hmm. I could that I could look at and then ignore parts of and pull other parts that were more interesting or or change, but it was something to work from. Yeah. So and I know that most people or not most, but like a lot of people won't feel the same way I did, mm-hmm. but for me, it was helpful. I was really nervous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my my <laughs> big thing, like, I, A, 
as I said before, I love GM homework. Mm -hmm. So I actually, when I got into the Urban Shadows 2, I was like, hmm, factions. (laughs) But on the flip side, like, I am of the opinion that any mechanic that is not serving the story, the role play, the flow at the table, whether it is a home game or an AP, if it is not working for you, especially if you're the GM, that thing's gone. Yeah. That's gone, yeah. baby. But on the on the other side of that, especially as a player, I am a mechanics chewer. Mm-hmm. I will take a mechanic and I will turn it into something that I want it to be at the drop of a hat. So actually, I think my some of my best stuff comes out of stuff like 5e that is so crunchy. Mm-hmm. And games like... My experience with Urban Shadows was basically there's not enough actually incentivizing role-playing in the thing that I was actually working off of. Yeah. And even though there's really great flavor text and all this stuff, I was like, none of this applies to me. I don't, yeah. this isn't helpful to me. And so I think it, some of it is also like, both as a game master, inviting your players to find their own agency in the mechanics mm-hmm. and finding their own fun and more encouraging them. So I, I had the very special experience of building a system agnostic character super recently. Mm-hmm. And that made me rethink how I build characters for games. Mm. Because I was just making a character in a void. I had no idea what system we were playing. I had no idea what was going on. And I went, okay, so I get to just focus on who this person is. And as a player, that was everything I needed because now I can just go do anything with him. Yeah. And the same thing was for like Ireland. I know the world so well that I can just build a character and I'll find the mechanics that work. Yeah. And so as a player, I find it more helpful to build my character than to worry about the, the crunchy parts. And again, if they're not serving... Ask your GM, hey, this isn't working for me. How can we work around it? And as the GM, using the mechanics to go like, oh, you cast Fireball? What does that look like? Mm-hmm. Tell me how you specially cast it. How do you use your thing? You know, how, how do you cast Dwarven magic? How do you use your special mask's ability? Like, how do you do that? What does that look like? Because that is where the role play is in the mechanics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think <clears throat> there is a lot of that in PBTA games, in Blades of the Dark and that kind of stuff. And it's just a matter of interrogating your players and saying, tell me something. Tell me a story. I'm telling you a story. Your turn to tell me a story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Sean, I would really reflect and ask yourself, because you say you, you want to jump back to 5e. How much of the issue of, of getting away from the role-playing is the system, and how much of it is the players and you not being familiar with the system? Because mm. that's yeah. a huge part. If like you've played 5e so much that you don't have to look stuff up, you're going to be able to focus on role-playing more. Mm-hmm. If you're starting a new game and a new system that you've never really played, you're going to have to kind of be the noob for a while and like, okay, pause, let's look that rule up or whatever you mm. want to do with it. I know. Or just make it up on the spot and look it up later, <laughs> which is what I tend to do. But well, that emergency break. Yeah. So really like focus on that distinction because if it may be the setting. It may not be the setting. It may just be how well you know the set or it may not be the system. It may be how well you know the system is what I mean. So think about that too, because then you're going to have that same problem with any new system you try and never be able to try anything but 5e. And I don't want you to live that life. I also just remember something that like it came up because my first experience jamming was with 5e. And -hmm. I specifically brought a table of other game masters Mm -hmm. who have run 5e, who knew a lot about 5e. And I think one of the scariest things as a game master is not knowing the system. Yeah. And being like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And you're worried that you're going to get rid of a a rule that you actually need later or something like that. But if you're playing with other players, invite them to also learn the game and say, like, you guys can correct me. Yeah. Please, please bring me the bring me the rules. Tell me what rule you want to use. And and be clear, like, this is my table. I'm going to say no if I don't like it. Yeah. But say, like, hey, if I don't know the rule that you're trying to use or that you're interested in trying, or maybe I'm breaking a rule that really messes with the way you run your character. 
tell me. Yeah. D- let the rules bully me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. My players all bully me, <laughs> to be clear. <laughs> the, the most dramatic experience I had with that in particular was we were playing, oh, we all like theater of the mind. That's cool. Let's play some D&D. And I chose to play a monk. Oh, yeah. no. Absolutely. And like, oh, wait, I need squares. Yep. I need to know. Rogues are my favorite class. That I can go so squares. far. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was pretty endemic to my character choice. Yeah. And like, And I hadn't thought that through. Yeah. And so it, it really can matter. So that's something to watch out for. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Mailbag number two. Who would like to read this one? Go on. Go. I'm going to read. Greetings, High Empress Kimmy. In the court of the Chaos Goblins. <laughs> it is I, Steffi, from Scotland. I write to you today as I have noticed something I value in games, both as a player and a GM. Has become almost dirty words, preparation, and consistency. Literally one of the things we're just talking about. <laughs> that noise you heard was all the improv GMs around the world sharply inhaling through their... Well, it was hissing, but yeah, basically. <laughs> Same difference. I am. Oh, now this is a letter. Listen, I'm I'm ready. Steffi knows this. Steffi knows this. <laughs> I am in no way trying to convert the majority of Happy Jack's audience to writing textbooks full of preparation, but I think no preparation is a myth. My advice to new GMs worried about over or under prepping is that they have to over prepare to learn what they don't need to prepare. Hmm. We are different people. Yeah. Some of us might need notes on story pacing more. Others might need preparation for NPCs. As we grow as GMs, we may shred our binder of notes down to a page, a couple of flashcards, or the question, sexy goblin? With a question mark after. Because (laughs) we have years or even decades of preparation to draw from. This is what I hope improv GMs can remember and why I don't think we should tell new GMs not to overprep. They don't know what their strengths and weaknesses are to prepare around. Pausing for the host to tell me that I'm wrong, and that I'm railroading. No, 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 no absolutely never, not. Never. Can we jump in and comment on that before moving Please. forward, though? It's a yes. good-sized letter. Yes. I, but I actually think this is brilliant, and I think people who are like, oh, I don't prep, I'm a zero-prep GM, Ugh, you're building on your years of experience. As a, mm-hmm. I'm a no-prep GM because I have 25 years of prep. Like, I've done it. It's, I get yeah. it. Like, yeah. that, I agree with you. And there are people like me who, when I went to go run a 5e campaign for the very first time, having played three sessions of 5e in my life, started writing a 500-page world-building document. Mm, delicious. <laughs> that might have been over-prepping. I will admit that that might be over-prepping. Before we even started, I had written probably 200 pages. Mm-hmm. But without that, I couldn't run the world with my eyes closed. I can literally go into a session for that game with almost no prep and run the whole thing. I might get lost because I made a very complicated problem for myself. But I just said I started a low prep game super recently. And even then it was because it's a Star Wars game and I know Star Wars. So I'm so running the you Star Wars already game. prepped. The prep exists in my entire existence. Yes. Yeah. And I, I agree. I agree that over prepping can be something that just overwhelms people. Like I had to talk someone out of building biomes for their homebrew setting using the real science behind how biomes are formed. That might be over prepping. Yeah. I can see why some people would enjoy that. So like, I don't want to yuck anyone's yum. Sure. But that may not be like the best use of time if you have a limited amount of GM prep time. (laughs) I think that's where I come into like, like, no, I don't feel like it, there's, like, a need to warn, especially new GMs, against, like, oh, make sure you don't over-prep. I think, like, 
what we should be focusing more on is like, make sure you don't spend so much time and energy and anxiety prepping that you don't enjoy the session that you're actually right. running. Yeah. yeah. And then to rewind it just a little bit to our first mailbag is you have a limited amount of time and energy that you're going to have to prep. Yep. So the advice to new GMs might be more specific that like, make sure you're looking at like your whole thing and not spending all of your limited time making biomes with the appropriate science. Yeah. <laughs> for um, example. The other thing about that is I would say for a new GM, run something that you know. Yeah. If you're a Star Wars expert, run that. If you can play D&D in Lord of the Rings, do that. Also, there's right? great books for it. Do, do it. Yeah. Free League just came out with a great Yeah, it's fantastic. That's awesome. If like, you've experienced it, 400 hours of XCOM. Yeah, if yeah. you have XCOM as a background, if you know Shadowrun inside and out, for better or worse, <laughs> uh, I can run Shadowrun with my all of my eyes closed. But also, be wrong. Mm-hmm. Also I know that everyone's afraid. Like when I was a new GM, I was like, oh no, I'm going to perish. But that's why I recruited a team of people to tell me when I am wrong. Yeah. Because the hardest thing I think as a GM is you will be wrong. Yeah. It's not yeah. a Don't you be might be, be wrong. wrong. Yeah. At some point, you you will be wrong. And I think a lot of people over prep to avoid being wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you will be wrong. You're just delaying the inevitable. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the danger of over like the part of over prep that I warn against is like you can't plan for everything the players are gonna mm-hmm. do. And there's no point in trying. Yeah. You can, like, if you have an NPC that you're going to introduce them to and they have to sit through your introduction, great, prep your NPC. That's awesome. Like, they have to meet your NPC. If it's your hot PR agent, then they all have to deal with them. Then that's what's going to happen. So put some prep into it. But don't, so, like, what if they do that? What if they go over there? What if they go up there? What if they go down there? Like, don't worry about it. That's too much. That also goes to expectations. Going back to the previous one as well. Say, this is a game where if I give you a plot hook, follow it, because that's what I have for you today. Yeah. Like, I am learning to do this. Follow the race. Please help me. Be kind <laughs> yeah. to me. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, because the, the minute that you plan, like, this beautiful little town with this inn, with all these beautiful things and the specific drinks they serve, they brew in the back, that's just like, they will never go to that town. Right. Inevitably. <laughs> Inevitably. So plan a town. That can be any town. Yeah. Or, you yeah. know, and, like take your tavern up wholesale and plunk it in a different yeah, that's, town. That's, that's what you're saying, but also, yeah. if world building is your speed, build within the limitations of their ability to travel. One of the best things in game systems is scaled travel ability. Because yes. mm-hmm. if you want to build two cities, say, oh, the, the party's about here. They can reasonably go to one of these two places. Build the framework of those two places. You do not need to lay every nail into the table in the tavern in both places. Right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. All right. Yeah, All right. continuing. Yes. Consistency is something I find vital in my games. This is the stability of mechanics, how your setting work, and your characters are. This makes it so that when something becomes inconsistent, it stands out as weird. Why is Miss Fester teaching home economics, the players may ask? Why indeed? Is it because Mr. Slab, the unusual home economics teacher, has been captured by the telepathic squid living in the school basement? That's probably it. I mm. love that. Thank yeah. you. When are we playing this game? It's on yeah. <laughs> Kids on brooms. Ha. Yeah. Kids on hoverboards. Yeah. Mm. Though, of course, we're just a bunch of friends around a table on our laptops playing a pretend game with funny-shaped rocks. Hundreds of professionals work together for money, and we still get retcons, plot holes, and inconsistencies in movies and TV. Correct. 
I am not holding one GM or a group as a whole to higher expectations than them. And neither am I saying you can't change things. If mechanics don't work, throw them out, homebrew them, or change systems to something better suited to your playstyle. If you are struggling to find a character, don't pressure yourself. If NPC boy is a jock dickhead in one session, he shouldn't be a wholesome sweetheart next session. If a player is struggling playing a wizard and wants to switch to a fighter, but keeping the same character, maybe that character always was a fighter. Maybe I told my players that the 16-year-old and her 12-year-old brother ran away from home eight years ago. Does the math after that game retcon it to four years? These are things I expect to be talked about above game. So it's clear what should be treated as canon. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Another pause for the host to tell me that I'm picking on Jason again, and I'm a horrible person. No one is going to call you horrible for picking on me. That's the joke. <laughs> also seems like you do enough of that on your own. What? How dare you? <laughs> also legit, I was in a little bit of a hurry today, so I didn't read the entire email. I read the first part, so I'm so glad that I picked one that called Jason out. And I'm, yeah, I'm so glad that this is the day I was able to make it. <laughs> Okay, yeah. I think this is another pause point to talk about because it's the sequel. There's still more letters. Yeah, yeah. I, I like these built-in pauses. I, okay. Listen, I'm completely normal about consistency in games and don't at all record even my home games and take extensive <laughs> notes to make sure that I'm keeping my characters' lies all straight. That's not for everyone. Did you say lies or lives? But lies. <laughs> I had a changeling in disguise for a year in my party. It's hot. Mm. Who said that? So it's, it's not for everybody. Mm. If it's not fun for you, don't do it. That's it. If it's not fun, don't do it. We're yeah. having fun. But I agree with Steffi. Like, like consistency is important. Sure. And if you're going to change the way a rule works or something, you got to talk about it ahead of time. Absolutely. Yes. This mm-hmm. is, can I preach on that? The, I always get shit for my, the drop, that game, the drop. I want, like, and I know I've talked about this before. I went into that telling the players, I'm probably, like, this rules are going to change, right? Huh. Like, we're starting with Traveler because I like the framework and the character creation. But I'm looking at this tweak and I'm working on a game system and I'm going to see if we can like shimmy our way into playtesting that as a sneaky side. But like I was off screen telling them all that ahead of time. Expectations. And it's okay. Like I get shit for like changing rules, which is true. I am that guy. I change rules all the time, but it's only because they're bad and I'm fixing them. I mean, as (laughs) as a person who's played with Jason a lot now, I could say that like, 99.9% 99.9% of the time, those rule changes are to make our lives better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To make our experiences better as players, to make the story better. And what, and we, what we learned from that particular AP is that we also need to communicate it to people watching. Because mm. <laughs> people turned in wanting to see Traveler. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. got not Traveler. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was very, uh, yeah, that was a very valid well, lesson. And mechanics consistency also makes it so that people build their characters in yes. a certain direction mm-hmm. and all that other stuff. But like, a lot of the like naysaying about consistency that I see is like, why do I need to remember something from like two years ago in a campaign that's suddenly relevant now? I don't remember that and my notes are not that thorough. Mm-hmm. Like mechanics consistency all day, yes. And anyone who doesn't believe in that, if you're going to change a rule, tell everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're not playing the same game suddenly. Yeah. And, and get buy-in. Don't, like, yeah, get like, buy-in. Explain why or make sure it's okay with everyone yeah. in case you miss something. Like your monk gets extra action, extra moves. Yeah. You know, yeah. like that matters. more feet matter. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I love like pulling things back into the game. And sometimes yeah. it's planned and sometimes it's just luck. And sometimes, you know, whatever it is. But that consistency is important. So even if it is something from two years ago, like 
maybe don't penalize the players for it. Yeah. It shouldn't be yeah. like, oh, well, if you can't remember the thing from two years ago, you can't get through the door. Yeah. I guess you're all going to sit here all night. Yeah, the locked door adventure. Well, that kind of goes into like my big thing is I want my characters in the narrative to feel challenged. I don't want my players to be frustrated. Mm. And so if it's something that the characters would remember, I'll make them roll for it. Or I'll tell them if they just would know. Right. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's not fun. And if it's something that I need them to know, why would I halt the entire narrative yeah. to penalize them for not taking good notes two years ago? Yeah. Like, I love puzzles and I love, like, like solving problems and stuff. I don't like that in a role-playing game. Yeah. because I my, love it in a video game. Yeah. It's complicated yeah. for... Yeah, my intelligence and the character's knowledge and intelligence are two very different things. Me being able to put together your little, like, jigsaw puzzle oh, thing... Like, yeah. it's not, like, no, I don't want to spend time doing that. Yep. Also, sometimes I play, I love a himbo. I will play a himbo oh, all day, you. every yes. day. Yes. And often, I'm an AP honor student. I know the answer. And if I'm playing the least intelligent character in the room, I'm sitting there going, okay, so I'm going to sit here and stare at a wall for an hour while the rest of the party so debates hard. how to fix this. And I'm just like, my character, I play a negative one intelligence paladin. And I love him to death. He will never solve the puzzle. No. And so I will sit there and just be like... Chewing on the puzzle piece. And I I try not to ever get on my phone during a game, but it's one of those like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) That's funny. Like, I I find that in situations like that, like, as a player, that when you encounter, like, the puzzle time is the time that, like, in almost all of my games that I've played in, when you encounter a situation like that, everybody breaks right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we are all just talking as players on how to solve this, and not talking yeah. about what our characters would be doing. We're not role yeah. playing. It's, we're it's not because it. you're not physically in the world, looking at the stones and the vines yeah. and the trying to figure out like what is this like weird fiddly solution. And that's mm-hmm. why skill challenges exist in games. Yes. <laughs> the Church of Skill Challenges. Skill challenges are yeah. great. Yes, everyone should use them. But, yeah. To, okay, going back to to. Blades in the Dark, like that is the one cool thing Blades in the Dark does. Like the the using the clocks mm-hmm. for like a skill challenging. I think that's a much bigger. I think that's a huge improvement on Powered by the Apocalypse using them for countdowns and like time mm-hmm. management. Or skill challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Same. There's more letter. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> How about that? Now I make it worse. I combined the two for my most unpopular opinion. Changing your idea to a theory your players come up with is a bad idea. And worse advice. If you (laughs) if you had this cool concept that King Du of the Kingdom of Jolly Hawk decided to leave the kingdom to Royal Advisor Winnie and disappear under the cover of darkness to join a performing troupe and have the Royal Advisor Winnie hire the PCs to find the missing king, don't flip flop because the PCs can get their into their head that Royal Advisor Winnie assassinated the king, even if Royal Advisor Winnie would be an awesome villain and twist. It's not where you foreshadowed. And the foreshadowing you have done to show the king's love of music and growing weariness with running the kingdom becomes nothing and you rob the players of having a scene with the runaway king begging them to keep his secret. And giving this advice to new GMs is telling them that their ideas are not good enough. Even if the player's ideas are better, your idea is still good enough or maybe isn't isn't time, but I believe it's better to fail and learn from it than copy the answers from the teacher's desk. Signed, Steffi of <clears throat> Scotland. Also, Steffi on Discord. P.S. King Do is fine. He's fine. Of course he is. P.P.S. I hope, if nothing else, the horrors of this email will bring a truce to the war between the K slash Curtis 
and oh, Eric slash K slash Erica's to hunt me down with fire and pitchforks. <laughs> it's the great war happening on the Discord. Incredible. I, going back to my prepping problem, I am allergic to changing my idea to suit my players' whims Mm because sometimes they have some pretty interesting ideas of what's going on. Mm -hmm. But consistency is key in a narrative. And so if you're going to change the narrative, do it above table or don't do it at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's this... I'm in the middle. At first, I thought I was going to be offended. And I actually agree with half of this. So it's about the reason that I say to be willing to adapt to what your players are... Because my... What I'm actually saying is don't let them spend six sessions chasing the wrong thing and have nothing happen. Yes. That's my advice. Oh, having nothing happen. And if the other end of that advice is just tell them he when he didn't assassinate the king, that's not it. Do something else. That's okay, too, if that's what you want to do. Or maybe I like didn't foreshadow that when he's a good one and we got to find the killer, right? Like, Maybe I could just be more explicit about that, right? I know I've had conversations like that above game. And so the reason I tell people to adapt to like, oh, this tavern that you built is in the town they went to now. Like, that's fine because an important thing has to happen in that tavern. And I don't care if it's over here or over there. And it's not that I took away their choice. They chose to go to that town because there's something unique about the town. I also need them to meet this tavern keeper because he's awesome and hot. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think I agree. Okay. If I have something really cool that I've been like foreshadowing and all the clues have led there, I'm not just going to like pivot just to make it easier, but I am a hundred percent on board. If the players come up with a much cooler idea of just taking that idea. <laughs> so I don't think that that means my idea was bad. And I, this is not something that I would recommend necessarily to new GMs. Unless you're running a one-shot, oh, especially yeah, at a con, and then just go to the ending that fits in your four-hour time slot Drive con. it like you stole Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 100%. Oh, well, this is my table. table. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I have absolutely, and you've seen me do it, and maybe you didn't know, like, been running a game, and then I was like, oh, we're doing this, thing, and someone says something, and I'm like, yes, absolutely. That is amazing. That's what's happening. But that's also the yes and of it all. Yeah. It's yeah. not like you prepped something that has no. been foreshadowed for sessions and sessions and sessions, right. which seems like what she's talking about. Right. And sometimes it is something that I've been like planning to, or like I thought was going to work out a certain way. This happened in Unsung Tales a lot, where I was like, okay, I think this is going to happen. Something completely different ended up happening that was like better, or you got to a place and pulled out herbs that like made the little wise women like all fawn and fall in love with Samantha who like, I don't know, like which spoke with them. I don't know. She was amazing. Wise women fall in love with Samantha. That's a a universal truth. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, this is going to be a super angry confrontational thing. The, all the prep in the book is like, they don't like anybody. And I'm like, no, she deserves that. This isn't just to make it easier. It's like, no, she brought she special herbs it. from, yeah. like, I'm adapting Rivendell. to this cool-ass idea. Yeah. But that's not taking an entire plot away from what you prepped, I don't think. I mean, having, like, there was a lot to the story of having the witches be really antagonistic and, like, which, I mean, it could, I, that may not be exactly what Steffi's talking about, but I think that there are situations where it's okay to change what you planned oh, yeah. in favor of what the players are bringing to the table or a, an idea they have. And that's that's kind of like a small description, but yeah, I don't know. So yes, I agree sometimes. <laughs> don't, don't just change everything because you think that 
like you should just make the players happy and make it easy on them. But if they legitimately have a cool ass idea that you really love, like drive it like you stole it. Mm. I think personally, like with this example, I disagree that if you pivot and Royal Ambassador Winnie would be an awesome villain and you and you like make the advisor an assassin Mm -hmm. that you've thrown away all your foreshadowing. Yeah. Because the thing about foreshadowing is that it's not always going to point in just one direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you can use your prep and you can use your ideas if you have something else to like pivot around. Maybe Winnie killed the king because his love of music and growing wariness with running the kingdom means that he has become a shit-fucking ruler. (laughs) And he has been running this kingdom into the ground in favor of throwing all his money and the kingdom's money on these, like, experimental musicians who do nothing but, like, tap spoons together. I want to go to this kingdom, though. (laughs) But, like, and that's not to say that that's necessarily right for your story, but just that your prep and your foreshadowing doesn't always have to just point at one place. Yeah. Yeah. It can point at multiple places. And, And I heavily, heavily disagree with the idea that incorporating ideas from your players is akin to copying the answers from the teacher's desk. That, yeah. Because GMing isn't a test. Our story. Yeah. yeah. The communism of the world. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think oh, it's, right. it's about time. Like, really, like, for me, because I'm looking at this going, like, if, if I were running this plot, this is, like, seven or eight sessions of intrigue and mm-hmm. politics. And I'm like, that's where, like, if I'm at session six and they've decided that Winnie is the assassin, I'm going to be like, mm, no. But if it's a one-shot, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like... How much prep and how much, how long have they marinated in the foreshadowing? Because I think that that's the thing that's missing from here for me is context of how long you're playing. Because if you're a new GM, which is what a lot of this is talking about, and you are running a one shot, drive it like you stole it, do what works, don't spend 10 hours saying, here's a door, pass it, because people are not going to learn how to do it. Do what works. Yeah. Also, there's always the option of like having a little bit of both. Maybe Winnie was was planning and going to assassinate the king. That's and he just happened to like peace out before like the amazing plan happens. Or figured out she was gonna kill him. Yeah. And maybe that's part of why he left. So like there's so many ways you can like pick from both these so that they're not wrong or like they don't waste time. Like you can have players be wrong. I'm not against that. But it's also super fun to like have Winnie be like the total innocent. No, I only supported and it's great. Like that's a fun contrast too. But it's also, if they spent time on this, it's also fun. Like, maybe, like, Winnie is really inept at poisoning and maybe just got the king really high. And that's when he decided, no, I have to chase my dream, man. This is what I'm doing. And then, like, he goes and leaves. And it's like, wait, I guess that's, I got what I want. But Uh, Coming soon, the Jolly Hank AP on uh, (laughs) uh, Happy Jack's RPG. Yeah, there's just so many possibilities, like. I don't know. I think that's the great thing about tabletop RPGs. Like, there's not. Oh, it's like, Happy right Jack. Anything. What? Jolly Hank is yeah. Happy Jack. Happy yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just got there. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Welcome to the table. Jason. Okay. <laughs> We've been. It's been a long day for you. Yeah. You get a break. <laughs> One more email. Three hours of GMing. Why don't you read read the last email for us? Or I can do it if you want. But Pidge's turn to read. Oh, it's Pidge. Oh, sorry. We don't have Unless to. Unless you don't want to. Hi, Kimmy and team. Ellie, a.k.a. The Lost Skeleton on Discord here, coming to you live from the aftermath of my first JackerCon. Hey. TM. 
I discovered Happy Jacks and joined the server in early 2023. I'm a late TTRPG bloomer. Oh, that's like, welcome. welcome. Hey, you get there, you get there when you get there. Yeah. Welcome. Um, while that timing coincided with desperately needing a good community to embrace and enjoy a wide variety of systems with, it also unfortunately coincided with some serious mental burnout. I quickly felt overwhelmed and wound up just lurking for months. But when I saw the sign up for Captain Kirk's Where They Are session of Alien, I immediately jumped on it, even though it was still three months away at that point. I'd been wanting to try the system for ages. I was completely hooked by Kurt's pitch of getting to play out every kid-turned-middle-aged woman's fantasy of being colonial marine, and I figured three months out was enough time and space to start getting back to my normal self. So on the Saturday of DackerCon, I played my first HJ community game and had fun! Kurt, Matt, and Aiden were so welcoming and easy to join a group with, and in spite of a long string of dice rolls that rewired all of our existing beliefs about <laughs> oh, probability... Oh I've been there. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally yeah. been there. In the end, two of our three Marines survived. Wow. That's really good for yeah. Uh, taking down a hive queen Woo! and parlaying their heartbreak into leaving the service and forming their own two-man mercenary company in the name of their fallen friend. Aww. Oh my gosh. It was the exact kind of experience to give me a new and refreshed energy to start engaging with the server more. And I look forward to participating in more games in the future and hopefully running a few myself. Do it. <laughs> As someone who absolutely adores what many spaces have come to refer to as trad games and story games, <laughs> it's often been hard for me to find a community in which fans of both are equally welcome, mm -hmm. where I don't have to bear witness to a steady and exhausting stream of snide, uh, passive-aggressive uh, remarks about the superiority or inferiority of one type of system or the other. And that judgment silently extended to those who play and run them. Feel you. Mm -hmm. oh. You can sit with us. Yeah. <laughs> and where I feel welcome with no strings attached. Happy Jacks is looking an awful lot like that place I've been craving. Aww. Here's to more of all of that. May your dice be hot and your drinks cold. Yes. All the best, Ellie. Aww. Aww. Yeah. I mean, we're just signed passive-aggressive about everything, so... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's efficient. Yeah. Efficient. <laughs> Equal opportunity sniding. Um, but no, but that's that's so great, Ellie. And thank you so much and welcome. That's amazing. And I totally get being overwhelmed by Discord. I have to say too that this like from how you're describing this experience, you're you're saying like you had a great time and you're you're gonna remember this game. Experienced gamers would have an experience and and like talk about this game forever. Mm -hmm. Like this sounds so awesome. Yeah. Like they actually beat a hive queen and then they're gonna form their mercenary coming like. I would be thinking about that, and I've been playing since 1989. Mm -hmm. So, I'm very old, and this is a cool-ass okay. story. I'm, that's all I'm saying. It's yeah. like, you, the phrasing felt like, this is cool because I'm new. This is cool. Yeah, <laughs> it is cool. That's all I wanted to say Well, and, like, congratulations on your on your journey to being able to, like, participate. Because I, I know people, that's a big hurdle. Like, that's, it's hard for a lot of people. There's, you've come a long way already just by saying hi signing up for a game and encouraging yourself to try something new. And what a cool experience to have when trying something new. And like Happy Jacks is a great place to do that. And we like all kinds of games here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there was 15 games that ran over the, the over all of JackerCon weekend. So yeah, we do JackerCon once a year, usually in the summer-ish, because that's when I have some time. But I honestly don't do that much for it. Most of it's like there's like 
JackerCon High Council with like Kurt and Jackalope and a, a whole bunch of people who actually run it. I just like support and make sure we're shouting out about it sometimes. But every other month, we also do game days, which is spelled D-A-Z-E because we think we're funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And it's like usually a Saturday or Sunday where we do a whole bunch of like community games on the Discord too. So lots of gaming opportunities. And there are so many systems. I was amazed looking down the thing. There was Mage yeah. and like a bunch of, there was also a bunch of story games and people yeah. were running like Descended from the Queen games and like all this stuff. It was just like this wild smorgasbord. It was like... Yeah, I played that yeah. Traveler game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a big crunchy system to yeah. play for three yeah. hours. Like, yeah. It was fun. Yeah, so... Uh, and then, like, this new game I've heard called Starscape. That, uh, that oh, one. What? No, what? Really? I've heard it's wonderful. <laughs> You've walked into this and now you have to yeah, get, yeah, get it. Yeah, get on it. I will say that um, hearing all of you talk about the second edition of Urban Shadows actually, like was really important because it made me really go back and look at Starscape. Starscape is the game I'm writing. And like really like analyze it for like extra stuff. And also hearing and like reading up on a lot of critiques of like Forged in the Dark games, which is why I felt so like I can talk about this because I've read so much stuff about it lately. Yeah. Like really reflecting on the things people say about those to like streamline Starscape. It is mm-hmm. much yeah. streamlined now because there's so many things I was just like, I love this mechanic. It's so fun. It's so great. And then it just like, it's like, okay, I'm going to do like a crafting thing when you're like, like sewing or, and you're like the bobbin just starts weaving in on itself oh. and you get like the bobbin mess. Is that like, the part in the cry oh. hole? Oh, yeah. Yeah. wow. Yeah. Okay. The sewing machine has yeah. a cry hole. Yeah, the cry hole. That's yeah. where everything goes wrong. Yeah. yeah. And the, so you get bobbin art is what we call it in the profession. Yeah, like bobbin art. A giant mess of thread. And oh, that's... I'm just explaining sewing machine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm a professional costumer. Yeah, Kai is a professional. Under the table and dissolve myself no, from existence. I thought you were being funny. I thought you were being funny. I sure was. This is definitely the room you want to start explaining about sewing machines. Yes, in. please. Yep. Yep. Tell us more. Tell us all about it. Listeners, Jason will be back. Yeah, he's melting into a puddle. It's like out of the four yeah. of us. I've, Which I've, one of us has not done professional sewing and costume? I've used a sewing machine, and I'm a man. So <laughs> proud of you! I'm so glad. But <laughs> but have you made bobbin art? Yeah, yeah. Well, I have, I have. actually. Yeah. <laughs> but like the running it for JackerCon really helps. Like, okay, yes, these decisions, cutting, you know, killing your darlings, like with these little mechanics, like it, it felt good to like see it working. So yeah. that's very good. All right, we've been talking a really long time. This has been a very fun episode. Yeah. (laughs) But I think it's time to go. So thank you for joining us for season 32, episode 12 of the Happy Jacks RPG podcast. Please support our amazing indie designer of the month, Allison. You can find her games at drazillion.itch.io. Thank you to our chat mod, James V, and to our amazing Patreons who keep us ad-free and independent. You can join their amazing ranks or update your Patreon if you haven't done that at happyjacks.org slash Patreon. My name is Kimmy. I'm Jason. Kai. Pooja. And we're going to leave you today with a song. We're going to leave you with a traditional called Star of the County Down. And this is by our friends Sportive Tricks. And you could find them at sportivetricks.com. All right. Thank you all so much. And we will see you next week. All right. Bye. Bye.
Bridge down in the county down one morning last July. Down a bar in green came a sweet Colleen and she smiled as she passed me by. But she looked so neat from her two bare feet to the sheen of her nut brown hair. Such a coaxing elf, I shook myself to make sure I was standing there. From Pantry Bay up to Derry Cay, from Galway to Dublin town. No maid I've seen like the brown Colleen that I met in the county down. She onwards sped, I shook my head and I gazed with a feeling queer And I said, says I, to a passerby who's a maid with the nut-brown hair Boy smiled at me and with pride, says he, that's the gem of all Ireland's crown She's young Rosie McCann from the bank to the band, she's a star of the county down From Bantry Bay up to Derry Day and Galway to Dublin Town No maid I've seen like the brown Colleen that I met in the county down well, I travelled a bit, but was never hit since my roving career began. But fair and square, I surrendered there to the charms of Rose McCann. Had a heart to lad to no tenant, yet did I meet with a shawl or gown. But in she went, and I'll ask no rent from the star of the county down. From Bantry Bay up to Derry Cay, we'll go with a Dublin town. No maid I've seen like the brown Colleen that I met to the county down. Surely there, and I'll dress in my Sunday clothes With my shoes shone bright and my hat cut right For a smile from my nut-brown rose No pipe, all smoke, no horse, I'll yoke Though my flower with the rust turns brown Till a smiling bride by my own fireside Sits the star of the county down From Bantry Bay up to Derry Bay And we're going to Dublin Town No maid I've seen like a brown Colleen That I met in the county down From Bantry Bay up to Derry Bay And we're going to Dublin Town this show is a product of the Happy Jacks RPG Network. The Mary Sue's performed our intro music, and our ending song is played with the express permission of the artist. Visit happyjacks.org for more information and to find all our streams and podcasts.